doing life together matters, sport matters. That's my kind of town. I'm a Crows fan. I don't know if there's any Crows fans. It's not funny. A couple of us, we're a bit embarrassed next to a Melbourne fan right here. And Richmond are eight and this close to dropping out. So it's much better being friends with Rob when Richmond aren't doing well. You know what? It's true. You know what? We are, yeah, the, the Crows are average. Um, but I'm, look, uh, who's talking to you? So I'm, I'm a 39, 40 in a couple of months. Um, I have two boys, Jackson and Jordan. Uh, the oldest is 10, and um, he's a little mad basketballer and um, pretty short. Uh, I'm about five foot nothing. Uh, anyone short here? Can't see it, too short. And uh, um, he's a mad bowler. I've got a younger one, uh, Jordy. He's nearly seven. He's a, he's a good lad. My wife's a pastor, a naturopath, and a massage therapist. I don't know if anyone wants to be married to a massage therapist. Uh, I had a bad one in Thailand, so I don't like massage, but that's a story for another day. Um, but uh, I'm looking forward to coming and chatting with you guys all weekend. Going to be here tomorrow. I'm not the manliest of men. Uh, um, you know, look at Rob's hands. I was talking to Bert earlier. Bert can fix anything. Bert, do you know my name? My middle name's Ernest. Together we're Bert and Ernie. That's pretty cool. I like that. He can fix anything. I can't fix anything. Rob's got grease on his hands. I've got Nivea for men on my hands. He landscapes. I manscape. He got manly jeans. I've got skinny jeans. He uses a... Oh, no, I've got nothing. A Makito. I drink macchiatos. We're very different. But... Uh, Either way, I wanted to come and just chat to you about what I think was one of the most manly and at the same time one of the most stupid yet graced men in the Bible. I'm going to talk to you about Samson. And um, Samson doesn't get talked about enough. It's kind of one of those stories you hear as, you know, when you're a kid and, or you hear it in, in Sunday school about Samson and his strength. And if you don't know the story of Samson, I'd recommend you go read it. It's in the book of Judges. It's a, it's a, it's a good one. Uh, we kind of hear about how Samson was the strongest man in the Bible, and, um, and then messed it up a little bit, and what a guy at the end, and, and his story's got so much more, and, and you know, I just want to just talk a bit about him tonight, because I just reckon the story of Samson probably relates to a lot of us more than we probably realize, so we're going to go into it. So if I, if I say the name Noah, what comes to mind for you? Noah's ark, all right? If I say David, you got David and... Goliath, we've got David and Goliath. If I say Daniel, you've got Daniel and. If I say Samson, you think of Samson and Delilah. It's interesting that when we think of all these other boys, we think of their successes. But when we think of Samson, we think of his failure. We, think, well, we cannot help, but when we think of Samson, even though he has all of his strength, all we can look at in Samson is, and everyone does it, we judge Samson. We remember Samson by his failure. Because Samson was a womanizing, narcissistic, constant failing, selfish leader in the Bible. And, and, and what we love to remember of Samson by, because I actually think the truth is more guys relate to Samson than they realize. You know, more guys relate to Samson than probably most guys in the Bible in a lot of ways. And therefore, when we look at ourselves as men, what we naturally do is look at our failure. Well, now you ask me, and you know, I'll do a lot of things I'm sure all right in life. Well, it's easy for me to tell you the things I've got to be better at, the things I want to do better. You talk about, you know, doing church and you've got a cool church. Like, this is just an awesome church. Don't, don't you love your, your pastors are great people. You, you really, I, I know you know it. I, I, I know you know it, but, you know, I get to do leadership and church and get around and see a number of churches. These, the Santos are special and uh, they are, you know, like hands in it, do life with people 
care for this church, literally build this church, like, you know, love and pray for you guys. Le- leading a church is, you know, is, it's, it's an awesome thing to do, but it's not an easy thing to do. And these guys do it with so much grace. And you can, you just walk in here and you can literally tell there's something about this place. And we're just talking before, and I think it's because of the leadership. And, and all of us make the church what it is, but it always starts with the head. And when there's difficult times, you know, the reality is, is the head, you wear it. And when you walk through good times, and when you're, can I say, walking into this place, and some of us may be new here, some of us may have been here for years, don't get familiar with how cool this is. Like, this is, this is both modern yet family. It has this excellence factor, yet it's raw and real. And I mean this. There is not too many places in the state, never mind in the country, that would put on a Saturday night, a men's night, and, and not having done one like this for a while and have this number of guys turn out. This is actually really healthy. And I think the enemy loves to try and make men feel weak in the church and, and try to cut out their voice and, you know, and we just in the background. But there's something that's pretty great here. And I just want to honor you, Rob, because I think you're a great leader and a great guy and a great friend. All that to the side. So we think of Samson, and we, what do we think of Samson? We think of Samson's failings, right? Yeah, in, the, in, the, in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, um, in verse 32, in Hebrews 11, it shows a handful of legends of the faith. And when we think of Samson, we think of Delilah, and we think of his failings. Yet when the Bible looks at Samson, he's listed in the few mentioned legends of men and women of faith in the Bible. And why is that? It's because no matter how many times you stuff it up, no matter how many times you mess it up, how wrong you get it, God has enough grace to be able to use you, free you, deliver you, and do great things with your life if you're just willing, no matter how wrong you get it, or how regretful you feel, or how far you find yourself away from God, as man, we've got to be willing to let go of our pride and be willing to get back to a place, even when we've gone off the path, gone with the wrong person, and not the Christian I want to be, and not the dad I want to be, and not the leader I want to be, and not the boss I want to be, and not the employee I want to be. There is a way back if you can just get connected to Jesus. We were just singing before the cross has the final word. What is cool about Samson is no matter how wrong he gets it, the cross has the final word. And it's the same for Samson, it's the same for you. So, Let's talk about this guy of second chances and third chances and fourth chances because Samson really does just screw this up over and over and over and over and over again, yet he's listed in the Bible as a legend of faith, so let's talk about him. Let's go to the start of the story. Samson, his, uh, um, his dad, uh, Manoah, uh, was married to his mum. We don't have her name. Uh, we're going to call her Mrs. Manoah. They have a problem. In, in Judges 13 verse 2, we find out that they can't have a child like so many people walk through, yet God comes and makes a promise and gives them a supernatural child. And His name is Samson. The name Samson, his name literally means the sun will shine. So in a season of darkness, there is a promise from God that God will do something supernatural, and in that, God is going to shine through it. I just want to encourage you to the side. I don't know what all of you are going through and, and talking to a bunch of you before over dinner. You know, some of you had, you know, good seasons of life and you know, just having a new baby and, and numbers of people with good things happening. But in a room this size, there's a bunch of us that are just doing it really tough. And, you know, for some of us that go in good seasons, other people go in tough seasons, but the promise of God is that he can supernaturally turn up at any time and shine in the darkness, which is why you have to get around guys. Because in this room, there's other guys that's been where you've been, or if you're in a good season, there's other guys that need your voice in this room. And that goes across generations, you know, it's, you know, cool, the young guys hang with young guys, older guys hang with older guys, that's how life happens. 
but you've got to be really careful in a church to make sure we don't just stay in our pockets. We actually have to be able to cross across the room because someone else needs you to be out of the person that brings light in your situation to someone else. But anyway, the angel appears, says to Samson's dad, Manoah, Mrs. Manoah, you're going to have a child. Call him Samson, which means the sun will shine because Samson is called to be a deliverer of God's people. He's called to be someone that delivers them for oppression, from oppression. So the angel says to them that he's to take on a Nazarite vow. Now, if you want to understand about Samson, there's three things that are part of having a Nazarite vow. The first one is that you can't drink wine. But it's not only that you can't drink wine, it's that you can't go near a vineyard. It's that you can't touch a grape. You can't touch a grape seed. You can't touch a grape skin. You can't go anywhere near anything to do with grapes, which doesn't work when you have a Clare Valley campus like we do. There's a lot of communion up there. It's much better than the packets that we're having in the other campuses. But anyway, it's a story for another day. Um, but uh, he can't go near grapes. Number two for Nazarite vow. Number two for Nazarite vow is he can't touch anything that's dead. He's not touching anything that's dead. So Samson cannot ever touch anything that's associated with a grape. Can't go near a vineyard. Number two, part of his vow before God, if God is going to use him in great ways, is that he can never touch anything that's dead. D-E-D, dead. Can't touch it. Number three is that he can't ever cut his hair. And because of him keeping this vow all of his life, he has supernatural strength. Supernatural strength. So let's look at the story of Samson. The three things, can't go near a grape can't touch anything that's dead, and can't cut cut his hair. We go to Judges 14 verse 1. I don't know if we have it. If we do, we'll put it up. If not, I'll just read it from here. Judges 14 verse 1. It says, one day when Samson was in Timnah. Everyone say Timnah. 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 One day when Samson in Timnah, a Philistine woman caught his eye. Now, Samson's troubles is always going to start with a girl because nearly all the time when it comes to guys, the trouble often starts with a girl. Now, Samson is an Israelite called to free the Israelites, yet he sees a Philistine woman at a place called Timnah. Now, why does Timnah matter? Because Timnah was a place that was well known for its wine, for its vineyards. Timnah was a place in Israel where all of the wine came from. So you might be thinking, okay, well, what's the problem with this right now? Well, the thing is, it doesn't say he touched any of the, of the grapes or the seeds or drank any of the wine. But the problem is, is that flirting with sin is a slippery slope. And Samson puts himself in a place he should have never been and eventually ends up being with a woman he should have never been with. As guys, I just want to tell you, I don't need to tell you, but I want to remind you, we're not as strong as we pretend to be. And the reality is that we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And the trouble that we see with Samson starts in a place he should have never been in, but he chose to go there anyway, because we can't help but be close to the fire and think we're not going to be able to touch it. The reality is I can't go near a bonfire without trying to put my hand in it and just feel how close I can get. All of us, as we do life and we put ourselves in precarious situations and what we watch and where we're with and who we're with and what conversations and whatever else is going on on our screens or what we're listening to, the reality is we are cold like Samson because Samson is a picture of us, of men, of the leaders of the home, deliverers of our family. We can get too close to the fire and it ends up burning us. So he falls in love with this Philistine woman. And his dad, we won't go into it right now, says to him, Samson, don't go near this woman. But he goes near her anyway. So it goes on. He moves on. He goes into the relationship. And a little while later, we get to Judges 14 verse 5. And I don't know if we've got it there. If we do, we'll put it up. It says later, or we'll go back to verse 5, the one before. If not, it's cool. Close. Verse 5. If not, 
all good. I'm going to go from here. Okay. It says, as Samson and his parents were going back down to Timnah, a lion suddenly, uh, suddenly attacks Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. A little time goes on, and Samson goes back to Timnah, but this time takes his parents. Now, it's there that as he goes back to the place he should have never been with, with the girl he should have never gone with, with now his parents that should have never gone there either, it says that a lion went looking for him. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter that the, that the enemy, the enemy is a roaring lion that is looking for someone to devour. Guys, can I tell you, there is an enemy that is coming for our families. There is an enemy that's coming for our minds. There's an enemy that comes for our purity. There's an enemy that comes for our authority. There's an enemy that comes from our confidence. And I'll tell you, so often the place the enemy is best able to attack you is when you are not in worship, when you are in the wrong environment, when you are with the wrong people, when you're not in the Word, when your mind and your body and your conversations and your life is in a place you shouldn't be. That is where the enemy goes looking for. He goes to Timnah. He ends up with the wrong person time goes on he goes back there and because he goes back there there now is an enemy that goes to take him out except this is what you've got to know when the enemy comes to take you out God somehow supernaturally graces Samson, gives him supernatural strength, and he literally rips the lion in half, grabbing its two jaws, tearing the lion's head open, because God, even when Samson is an idiot, God has enough grace for him. The story of Samson is a story for every man. Even though I am and you are at times an idiot, God has enough grace to come and rescue you and get you out of the worst circumstance if you'll just call on him. So it goes on. You go over go to Samson 14 verse 8. Time goes on, and now, if we have it on the screen, verse Samson's 14, verse 8. Later, when he returned to where? To Timnah. He's now going back to marry the girl in the place he should have never been with, with the person he never should have never gone with, where the lion attacks him. He goes back there a third time. He went back for the wedding, and he turned off the path. Guys, I'll move on from this in a moment. He is so thick. He messes this up again and again. And does anyone relate to Samson? He gets it wrong again and again. He starts his new plan again and again. He tries to turn his life around again and again and again and again. If you're here today and your mind wanders again and again and again, if your mouth wanders again and again and again and again, if your heart wanders again and again and again, if you've started to go over with God asking for grace and forgiveness again and again and again and again, Samson's name is written in here as one of the legends of faith and if he can turn it around you can turn it around too so later he goes back to Timnah for the wedding and he turns off the path don't turn off the path to look at the carcass of the lion he goes off the path to look at the carcass of the enemy guys I mean this I'm going to just circle around I will move on from this you've got to watch what you think you can look at because the very thing that once tried to harm you and you conquered Areas like pornography, areas like alcohol, and I'm not just saying, don't, I'm just saying if where there's been an issue for you and you feel you've conquered it, at times we go back to look at it, thinking because we've defeated it, it can't harm us anymore. But he was never meant to be there and he was never meant to go off the path and he was never meant to be near that lion. And it says there, and he found in the lion a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. Get this. What wants to kill you and you should never touch now seems sweet. Now, Samson's first rule was that he couldn't touch anything that was associated with a grape. The second rule was that he couldn't touch anything that was dead. 
So now in the place he shouldn't be, with the woman he shouldn't be with, for the wedding that should never happen, he goes off the path and he goes and sees honey in the lion. And it says in verse 9, we'll put it in, it says in verse 9, it says he scooped up some of the honey into his hands and he ate it along the way. And he gave some to his mother and his father and they ate it. And he didn't tell them he'd been taken from the honey of the carcass of the lion. See, what once tried to kill you now seems like it's dead in your life. Too many men see the sweetness in it and go back to taste it again because we think we've conquered it, yet it was already meant to be dead in our life. And what was dead in our life, we were never meant to touch. There are areas as guys, there are things when you decided to follow Jesus, you had to let die in your life. And now because you're a stronger Christian doesn't mean we should go back and take what seems sweet out of something that should be dead. So Samson gets it wrong again and again. And the problem is, we think it doesn't affect anyone. But the reality is, it actually gets on his family. He gives it to his family, but he can't tell his family where it comes from. He can't tell his family. Guys, there's so often stuff that we work through and struggle with. The battles of the mind, the lack of confidence, the things of purity and you know, ethics and whatever else that we feel we can't talk to anyone about. Because we think... I can't tell them because it won't affect them, but it always gets on them. The thing about honey is it's sticky. And the stuff that gets on him gets on his family too. As men, we're, we're called to be different. The light's meant to shine in darkness through us, so we're called to be separated. So he marries her and all this different stuff happens and, and God graces him. God keeps gracing Samson. I have time to go into all the stories now, but time goes on. and He leaves his wife because his wife betrays him because he should have never been with her and he should have never been in that place. And of course she betrays him. But later, so he, he gets upset and he leaves. But then a, a little while longer, he wants sex. So he goes back to his Philistine wife to go sleep with her. And her, her, her dad gave her to his best friend to be his wife. So now his best friend's married his wife. So Samson gets this. Samson, to get revenge collects 300 foxes. The Bible's ridiculous. Have you ever read this? He collects 300 flipping foxes and he ties their tails together with a torch in the middle and sets fire to all of their crops and their homes. I mean, who the heck has the ability to capture 300 foxes? I've literally only captured 32. And he gets 300 foxes, ties torches between their tails and sets them into their crops. This guy, even though he keeps messing it up again and again and again and again, God supernaturally graces him in mind and body to do what he should never do. Because when God called you to be a deliverer and the head of a home or the head of a nation, he will supernaturally grace you. But we shouldn't have to keep messing it up again and again for God to rescue us all the time. So Samson does what most guys do, and I'm going to talk about this in church tomorrow. Be here tomorrow morning. No, I changed my message. So this will matter for tonight. Okay, we're talking today for the Holy Spirit say go a different direction. So scrap that. Do you know what he does next? Why am I standing? Get excited. Samson goes and hides in a cave. So when guys mess it up and then they get it right again, the problem is sometimes we don't go back to the authority and position we were once in. We go into our man cave. We go hide in our work. We go hide in our leisurely activities. We go disappear. Can I just say, he was called not just to be a strong man for himself, he was called to be a strong man for his nation. And he couldn't help anyone in a cave. Because say, you actually, we, we need you to be a strong man in this church. We need you to be a strong leader in this house. 
Your kids need you to be a strong leader. Your friends and your school need you to be a strong leader. And, and because things go wrong or didn't go to plan or you haven't been in the Bible lately or have prayer life hasn't been what it once was, the answer is not to go and hide in your cave. The Bible is a story of people constantly hiding in caves and God can't use them unless they get out. Elijah, Elijah is a, has a freak out moment and hides in a cave, but God can't use him unless he comes out. Samson? Samson goes and hides in his cave, but God can't use him unless he gets out of his cave. And what's amazing is the, Phil- the Israelites come and they just say, can we hand you over to the Philistines? So there's a thousand Philistine men. So he comes out and these Philistine men which want to hurt him and Samson, even though he's messed it up, even though he's got it wrong, even though God's had to use him again and again with the foxes and all the, the, the lions and everything that's going on, now he's hidden in a cave. This guy that keeps on having to rely on God's unmerited favor, God's second chances, God's grace again and again, God's power comes upon him. And in Judges 15, verse 15, it says this. We'll see if we got it. He says, Judges 15, 15. If not, it's all cool. I'll read it. It says, Then he found a jawbone of a recently killed donkey, and he picked it up and killed a thousand Philistines with it. Okay, what he does next is he grabs this jawbone of a donkey, which is a picture of Samson. It says it was recently killed, which means it has flesh still on it. It's fleshly, it's stinking, it's rotten, and the second Nazarite vow is Samson can't touch anything that is dead. Even when Samson gets it right, Samson gets it wrong. This guy is an idiot. He keeps messing it up over and over, and God supernaturally comes, his power comes upon him, and in his hand is a picture of Samson. It is a picture of a donkey, a stubborn, a stubborn ass. A picture of Samson is in his hand. He's a fleshly, stinking, rotten ass. And in his hand is a picture of Samson and God uses it to kill a thousand Philistines. You see, God is so good that even when Samson gets it wrong, his grace can't help but point out to who Samson is and who God is. And somehow a thousand men get killed that day because God's power comes upon him. Samson is a picture of no matter, guys, how wrong you get it, God's grace will turn up for you again. And no matter how far you've gone or how much you've hidden, God is calling you out and you might say he can't use me in the church again he can't use me in my business again he can't use me in my area of influence again he will use you but in the meantime he has to point out some of the stinking rotten flesh things that are attached to you so his grace can come upon it so when they look at you and they say wasn't that that caveman wasn't that that person that got it wrong wasn't that person that stuffed it up over and over you'll say yes I stink of flesh I get it wrong I should be dead yet God's grace is on me and he's doing supernatural things through my life Sam Samson is the picture of you and me. Are you doing okay? So I get near the end. But then there's a girl. There's Delilah, the one we always remember at the start. And with more back and forth than an episode of A Bachelor, she tries to find out his strength. And he makes a few things up and eventually he gives it away because Samson can't help but go back to the things that always trip him up. He tells her, if you cut my hair, I lose my strength. And he's broken it all. The grapes, the dead, and the hair. So the Philistines grab him. And they take out his eyes. And they bind him. He's got no strength, so they tie him up. And they attach him to a millstone. But then the coolest verse in the Bible, I think, it's one of like the top three favorites. It says in Judges 16, 22, however. Everyone say However. The hair on his head began to grow again. That's the point of this message. Even when 
it's all gone. Your hair's growing back. Can I show you one more thing before I finish this? And we're nearly done. Are you doing okay? All right, cool, cool, cool. Just feel like, I don't want to preach it. I just want to just share this story and show you. It's right here. It's us. It's me. This is me. This is Josh Greenwood right here, over and over, getting it wrong. So Judges 16, verse 25 to 26, says this. Judges 16, 25 to 26. So they captured Samson. They tied him up to a millstone. They've taken out his eyes. He's blind. He's lost his strength. And it says this. Half drunk by now, the people demanded... Bring out Samson so he can amuse us. Uh, New Living Translation says, Bring out Samson so he can entertain us. So he was brought out from his prison to amuse them, and they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. goes on to verse 26. Go from here. It says, Samson then says to the young servant, or, or do you want to tr- truly understand what this The young man. The young man, okay? The child. There's a child next to him. He says to the child next to him, who is leading by the hand, he said, place my hands, the child who is leading him by the hand, child is leading by the hand, he says, place my hands against the pillars and hold up, that, hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Can I just stop talking from Samson's point of view for a moment? Can I talk from the Philistines' point of view? The Philistines were Samson's enemy. They hated Samson. We agree, right? They hated him. He burnt their crops. He, for years, he conquered them. For years, he was their ruler. He stole their gates at one point. He stole their women. He beat a thousand of them with the, with the jawbone of a donkey. I mean, this guy is a terrorist to them. This guy is their greatest foe. This guy is their greatest annoyance. And they finally capture Samson, but they never kill Samson off. See, the enemy, as guys, the enemy we think we have under control that we don't kill off in our life will come back stronger at some point. There are things in our life that we need to kill off as men that if we don't kill off, it comes back stronger. So they have a party and they get a little bit loose and they get a little bit drunk and they eventually say, let's bring out Samson for our entertainment because what was once our enemy becomes our entertainment if we let our guard down and we get familiar. Do you know what the word Nazarite means? He had to have a Nazarite vow. The reality is the word Nazarite means... To be separated. To be separated. So what happens in our world today is we've got God's standard that never changes. The Bible never changes. What God says for our life never changes. And there's the world standard. And we would say that the world standard is lower than God's standard. The problem what happens over time, and I see this in churches, I see this in men, I see this across generations, is as the world standards drops, so does the standards of Christians. So does the standards of men. So do the standards of dads. And the problem is, is that we justify it by saying, but look, there's still separation. But the Bible never called us to have relevance. The Bible called us to have brightness. And that God's standard was never meant to drop in our life as the world's standards dropped in our life. There actually was meant to be a greater difference between where the world was and where God was. And that therefore, as a dad, as a man in your business, as an employer, as an employee, as a leader in your sports community, as, a, as someone in this church, you were meant to have something that was different in your life to everyone else's life. Otherwise, no one would want to have what we have because we just look like a slightly better version than everyone else. 
and they're actually, that has no attraction to anyone because they actually don't see, oh, I can have what I have and be somewhat happy. The reality is, is that the world has a different level to where we are and we haven't killed some things off in our life. And over time, because we've gotten familiar, we as the church have begun to follow the pattern of the rest of the world. And what happens is because they get familiar with the things of the world, they then put in a child's hand their enemy. I should talk to dads for a moment. And I feel this so I feel this really strong. That's why I felt to preach this today. The things that I grew up with that were just my parents would never let me near. My kids can now watch on ABC Kids. The stuff of magic and sexuality and immorality and, and whatever, just go through the list. And the problem is, is that the standards we once had have now dropped across the world that now what was never acceptable for adults at one point is now acceptable for children. And their enemy, Samson, is put in the hand of a child. The enemy that killed a thousand of their men with the jawbone of a donkey. The enemy that was their terrorist. The enemy that should have... There was no one that caused them more pain and more harm. But they got so familiar with their enemy and never killed off their enemy. That eventually, their enemy ends up in the hand of a child. And he is literally about to bring the whole house down. See, what was once our enemy becomes our entertainment. And as men, we're meant to hold a standard. As men, we're meant to be the leaders of our home. As men, we're meant to know what it is to get it wrong, yet rely on God's grace and kill some things off in our life so that it never affects our kids. Amen? So can we go back to Samson? I went off the path. Don't go off the path. Let's finish with this. So Samson, they take out his eyes. He's lost his vision. If you're here today and you've lost vision for your life, I'm going to show you how this finishes. If you knew that God called you, if you knew that God had something great for your life, if you knew God called you to the marketplace, if you knew God called you to your business, if you knew God called you to your influence and you've lost your vision, he can give it back. He's cut off his hair and they've tied him up. He's bound up. He's lost his strength. And they've attached him to a millstone. Now, you're much more manly men than I am, so I'm sure you know what a millstone is. But basically, a millstone is a large rock and it would be used to grind grain. So what Samson would have to do is blind, with no strength, he would be tied to a rock, and this millstone would move around and around, and Samson would literally just walk in circles. No vision, no strength, literally going round and round, with the grain doing the daily grind. He is literally every day doing the daily grind. No vision, no strength, nowhere to be, nowhere to go. He's tied up and he is literally doing the daily grind. But there is this scripture that says, meanwhile or however, the hair on his head began to grow again. And everything you see in the Old Testament with a character like Samson is pointing to what Jesus is going to do. See, the mistake they made with Samson is they attached him to a rock. You see, the answer to Samson was that he had to be attached to a rock for long enough that he could have his hair begin to grow back again. The answer to any man that's lost his vision, to any man that's lost his strength, to anyone that is literally just going around in circles day in, day out, not living the fullness of what God has for you, living in the daily grind, is that God will get you attached to Jesus in a way. Jesus, of course, being the rock, the one that... 
if we get ourselves attached to that when you mess it up, when you go off track, when you go off the path, He won't tie you up to hurt you. He will tie you up to heal you. He may tie you up for a while. You may be frustrated with God because He's limited you or restricted you or not come through for you. The reality is when we get it wrong, God ties you up. But He's kind enough to tie you up to Jesus that if you were just willing to attach yourself to Him for long enough, the hair on your head can begin to grow back again. You see, the sun will will shine was His name. He literally was living in darkness. He lost all light. He lost all vision. But because He got attached to the rock, because He began to stop running, because He could no longer hide again, because He could no run again, because He couldn't go anywhere else but just be attached to the rock, He stayed long enough that His strength came back. This message is simple. No matter how wrong you've got it, no matter how many times you've gone to Timnah, no matter how many times you've gone off the path, no matter how many times your mind's gone to the wrong places, no matter how many times you've done the wrong things, God will tie you up not to hurt you, but to heal you. And there in that place, if you would stay attached to Him, if you would stay attached to His Word, if you would stay attached to the church, if you would stay attached to other Christian men, I believe your hair can grow back again. I believe your strength can come back again. I believe your leadership can come back again. And when darkness came and covered you, I believe that the sun will shine and that separation can come and you can be the man God called you to be. Guys, if God called you to serve, then serve. If God called you to lead, then lead. If God called you to preach, then preach. If God called you to sing, then sing. If God called you to be a dad, then be a dad. And if you've got it wrong, don't go hide in your cave. Don't go off the path. Don't stay attached to the wrong things. If you just attach yourself to the rock, if you literally the, the old is in a picture of the new, that if we attach ourselves to Jesus, your strength can come back because God of supernatural grace can return anything because His grace is greater than your feelings. No matter how you feel, about yourself, no matter how you feel, if you're a success or a failure, whether you're a good dad or a failed dad, whether you're a good husband or a failed husband, if you're a good teenager or a failed teenager, this is what I know, is that Samson, we all agree, when we think of Samson, we think of Delilah, we think of his failings, and as men, when I think about myself, far too often, I think about how many times Josh stuffs it up, yet when I look in Hebrews 11, Samson's name is mentioned there. It's only like a dozen of them. So all I think is that God wants you to know tonight if you just attach yourself to Him. It's not about how strong you are or how smart you are or how biblically literate you are or how, 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 much, how great you are at prayer. God will grace you to grow in those things. But the point, of, the point of grace is my grace is sufficient for you because my power works best in your weakness. The point of Samson is that he had to get to a place of incredible weakness. So at the end of his story, he literally brings down the whole house and it says that he killed more Philistines in his death than he did in all of his life. The very last act of Samson was the greatest one of his life because in the place of greatest weakness, where he seemingly had no strength and no vision, God's grace was greater than his strength ever was. Boys, I just get what it is to be a guy growing up in 2021. For some of you young guys, we don't envy the stuff that is shown to you and seen to you. For some of the dads, the pressure that's put on us. For some of the business leaders or guys just trying to work it out. The feelings, the emotions, the failure, the successes, the highs, the lows, the comparison, all of that stuff. But all I want to say tonight is if no matter where you find yourself, whether it's in a good season because Samson had some great seasons or in the tough seasons because Samson had some tough seasons, 
the one where his hair began to grow back was when he was attached to the rock. Stay attached to Jesus. Stay attached to each other. And even if you just feel for a time, it just feels like I'm going around and around in circles. Even if you don't get anything as you come into church for a season, just keep turning up. Even if you didn't feel like coming tonight, you just, you know what, you turned up. Even when you read your Bible and it feels like you're you're chewing chalk and nothing's happening. Just keep turning up. Even when you're praying and you don't feel like you're hearing from God, just keep turning up. Because if you just stay attached to Him, even if it feels like you're just going through the motions and going through the daily grind, I promise it happens to me, it happens to anyone, your hair will begin to grow back. The anointing comes back. His grace is sufficient. The Word comes alive. Churching gets better. The Word begins to speak. Strength comes. Anointing comes. Authority comes. But it comes from being attached to Jesus. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for these men. I thank you for leaders. I thank you for dads. I thank you for brothers. I thank you for employers. I thank you for employees. I thank you for those on the journey, for those that are doing well, those that are just finding it tough. We thank you that, Jesus, you experienced and knew everything we experience. That you came as a man, that you know what we know. Yeah, you never sinned, but you knew we would. You never went off the path, but you knew we'd go off the path. You never went and hid in your cave, yet you knew we would. We thank you that you came out of yours so we could come out of ours. Jesus, I pray that your grace would be sufficient for every man in this room. I pray your strength for every man in this room that feels weak. I pray your direction for every man that's lost his vision. I pray, Lord God, your supernatural grace for every man that's gone off the path. I thank you that you've called us, Lord God. And even for some of us that feel that the best days were behind us, I thank you that Samson's best days were at the end, not at the beginning. I pray that these best days for us will be in these next days. From those that are older, I pray, Lord God, thank you that young men will see dreams and old men will see visions. I pray, Lord God, that you would give us the ability to dream and prophesy and have influence and lead. I pray for those younger ones, Lord God. I thank you that, Lord God, you've got great days ahead and that you've graced them, anointed them. I thank you for dads here that are leading young men and young women. I pray, Lord God, you give us the wisdom and authority to not put in their hands anything that can bring the house down. I pray there would be a standard in us. I pray there would be an anointing in us. I pray there would be a grace in us. I pray there would be an authority in us to be different to be the leaders and changers and deliverers you've called us to be. So thank you for your grace. We pray that every man here would just make a decision that we are not going anywhere except for Jesus, that we would stay attached to, connected to, in love with, in relationship with Jesus, that our hair would grow and our strength would come and our vision would return and that, Lord God, our names too would be listed with those that did great things for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome, lads. Thank you. Chat to you after. See you tomorrow. Let's give it up again to Pastor Josh. What a fantastic, practical word. I'm, uh, I'm so glad that uh, you all came out tonight and, and for such a good message. Now, that message will be available on our podcast as well, so listen to it again. Get your wife to listen to it.